let's be real. Lawsuits are no fun, but with Paulson and Nace, at least they are a little easier. With two DC-born partners, Paulson and Nace will fight for you the way only a Washingtonian could. Paulson and Nace handles medical malpractice, wrongful death, and other complex injury cases involving negligence. So if you have been hurt or lost a loved one because of someone else's mistake or negligence, call Paulson and Nace for a no-obligation consultation. Visit www.paulsonandnace.com or call 202-463-1999. Today on CityCast DC, we are talking about the 2024 DC budget. And wait, wait, wait. I know the words municipal budget make people's eyes glaze over, but the annual debate on how the city is going to spend your tax dollars actually says a lot about where DC is and where it's headed. Like, should transportation be free? Should there be police officers in schools? Should the city be doing more in general to support low-income residents? Michael Bryce Sadler from the Washington Post has been covering the city budget debate. He's here to tell us what made it into the budget, what was cut, who won, and where things go from here. Today is Thursday, May 18th. I'm Michael Schaefer, and here's what DC is talking about. Michael, thanks for being here. Sure. Good to talk to you, Michael. So the DC Council passed a budget, the first of two votes it has to pass uh, this week. What does that mean? Um, Is this like the start of the process or the end or the middle or what? This is pretty close to the end of the process. Uh, so the budget process in D.C. is is a months-long endeavor that usually begins with the mayor uh, working with her own budgetary team and the CFO, figuring out the city's finances, and then she is tasked with building a balanced budget, uh, factoring in all types of costs, short and long-term, over a course of a four- or five-year financial plan. Uh, and then that budget gets transmitted to the council, and the council gets to basically kind of hash it apart, uh, determine what priorities they think the mayor nailed it on, uh, what should be spent otherwise. Uh, then the various members take their thoughts and considerations, send them to the chair of the council, and the chair ultimately presents a a finalized draft, you could say, uh, that the members vote on. And that's what they voted on yesterday. In your report about this, you wrote that district leaders have repeatedly described this year's budget process as one of the most arduous in recent history. Why is it arduous? Well, much like the global economy is a bit unstable right now, DC has some questions about its own finances, particularly in the long term. Uh, You have commercial properties downtown that are a significant source of revenue. Uh, you have questions about how how sustainable that revenue will be moving forward when we have increased remote work, office vacancies, property values have gone down. So there's questions about how much revenue uh, DC will be able to bring in in the out years compared to what it's used to. Uh, not to mention you have uh, contracts with the teachers union, collective bargaining agreements, uh, other payments that the city has to make Uh, And the pandemic also really exacerbated things in the sense that uh, the federal government offered many cities and states funds to supplement programs for housing, low-income residents, things of that nature. And those funds are set to expire uh, this upcoming fiscal year. So when you're thinking about long-term budgeting and you have 
you know, the, the chair of the council actually described it as something of a fiscal cliff in the sense that a lot of these programs that had a boost for one or two years during the pandemic will no longer have that boost. So council members and the mayor had to think about, well, how do we proceed knowing that demand for some of these programs is still high, but the funding source is going to have to change. So you're saying there's challenges on both the income side and the spending side? Yes. One question about the income side, which I've always wondered, there's a lot of talk about the disasters of downtown and the the low occupancy in offices, vacancy rates, stores closing. How tied to real estate values is the DC's tax base? You know, some places, almost all the money comes from real estate taxes. Some places, almost all the places taxes come from sales or income tax. Um, Where's DC sit? Last fiscal year was about 9% of DC's overall revenues came from commercial property values, especially from big office buildings. And DC is unique in that uh, our downtown uh, is made up of a lot of these buildings. You have the federal government that occupies some of them. So in some situations, we're really stuck. If the feds aren't coming back downtown, what are we going to do with these buildings? So that's been a big discussion point for a long time, but it is a significant source of revenue. And it's been uh, a priority for the mayor and a lot of members of the council on how do we make up for this as these buildings are depreciating in value. Right. And it's a challenge across the country because as people work from home, downtowns are, are in trouble. Let's dig into some of the specific issues on the other side of the ledger, on the spending side. Uh, transportation, I don't know, maybe that was the one that got the most attention and heat. Uh, there were arguments over the so-called K Street Transit Way, which is uh, redoing K Street in the heart of downtown for with bike lanes and bus lanes and making it prettier in general, versus uh, this proposal to have the city pick up the tab to make Metro bus within the district free. There was talk about cutting circulator buses and a potential congestion surcharge on ride shares. Can you give us a state of play? What's been approved? Where did we land? Sure. So everything you just mentioned it was all part of that back and forth over the past several months of what should be funded and prioritized uh, and really was probably the most boisterous, I could say, argument between the mayor and the council. So where we're at now is the council initially hoped to make uh, Metro buses free. It didn't work out. The Metro board said earlier this month that the plan needed more regional input, it needs to be pushed. The council has also delayed a proposed $116 million makeover of the K Street corridor uh, that Bowser really wanted. So you have no free buses. You have no uh, K Street corridor, at least not until probably next year. Uh, but what you do have is 13 or so bus routes that are going to be 24 hours, uh, which was a component of the free bus plan that has been salvaged. So we have 13 24-hour buses that are supposed to begin in January that made it. Uh, and you also have, instead of a $2 congestion fee for ride-hailing trips, uh, that was really uh, not popular among the council and residents and Uber and Lyft, uh, you have a $0.25 cents, quote-unquote digital dispatch fee that is just going to be applicable to all ride-share rides in the city moving forward that are going to be used to fund in part the 24-hour buses as well as some other initiatives that the council funded. So just to be clear, the buses, you'll still have to pay for them, but the D.C. taxpayer basically is going to make up the difference to WMATA of uh, what they'd be losing on running these uh, overnight lines. Yes. And to clarify that the $2 proposal was only downtown, but the surcharge is for all rides all over the city. 
That's right. The $2 congestion fee was for specific times of the day. It was supposed to just be applicable to the downtown corridor. Uh, what you have now is a $0.25 cent surcharge for uh, combustion vehicles. That is for any rideshare ride you take in the city. It's not just downtown. It's getting point A to point B anywhere. But if it's a Tesla Uber, it is, uh, it is exempt. Uh, not quite exempt. It's just a slightly lower cost. I think it's fifteen cents if it's a hybrid, and ten cents if it's a um, electric vehicle. So another issue that's been a big deal in DC, particularly in as there's been a lot more media attention to crime, is school safety. Council had decided they were going to pull police officers out of school, saying that they make schools less safe. Now there's been a lot of pushback, and they're considering keeping police in schools. It's been kind of confusing. Where did they land? So, yes, you're, you're exactly right. A couple of years ago, the council moved to pull police out of schools, which was a pretty controversial vote even two years ago. The mayor was against that plan. She still is. And where we've evolved to is a successful proposal by the mayor to, to sunset that it was a gradual pullout of police and schools that was supposed to end in 2025. That's now ceased. No longer uh, will police be uh, pulled out of schools. And in the interim, another council member, Zachary Parker, proposed convening a, a focus group or a committee in a sense that will explore alternatives to policing uh, in schools. But in the meantime, police are able to, to stay in schools. They don't need to be pulled out anymore. So that is kind of a reversal of what the council did a couple of years ago uh, with the understanding now that as the city thinks through alternatives, it's better to have uh, some form of, of safety in there until they come up with something different. It's time to get dressed up, DC. So Others Might Eat is having its Young Professionals Network Spring Soiree that's to help raise funds for homelessness in DC. The gala is on the evening of May 17th at the National Museum of Women in the Arts. There will be live music from DJ Heat from the Washington Wizards, photo booths, food, and even a special appearance by a former actor from Pretty Little Liars. Wow. There will also be a canned food drive, so be sure to bring a few cans to support Sum's Food Pantry. Grab tickets before they're gone at sum.org slash spring soiree. That's S-O-M-E dot O-R-G slash spring soiree. See you there. When was the last time you went to the theater? Well, we have a new show for you to check out. The Gala Theater in Columbia Heights is showing the political musical comedy Museum in the Closet, Avida's Return which follows Argentine icon Eva Perón to the afterlife as her preserved corpse ignites political scandals, clandestine affairs, and mysterious murders. The show is full of samba, reggae, and tango that will have you tapping your feet nonstop. The show is in Spanish with English surtitles and will run from May 9th through June 9th. Get your tickets now at galatheater.org or call 202-234-7174. So there's a, a lot of other stuff that council is sort of perennials for council that they want to fund. Um, there's a f affordable housing stuff. There are increased food benefits. There's childcare tax 
credit. On Tuesday, like at the 11th hour, Zachary Parker, who's a council member, uh, proposed a spending plan that was going to address this. Other council members did not go for it. What happened? So Parker, and he's actually the same lawmaker who proposed uh, the committee to look at uh, policing alternatives in schools, he wanted to go a little bit further to think of ways to fund programs for low-income residents, uh, such as uh, rental assistance. He was interested in a new child tax credit. Uh, He wanted more support for homeless services, for SNAP benefits, you know, things in in the budget that a lot of members would be happy to see, but in a tight budget, um, we couldn't quite find money for. He had the idea of basically extending uh, a high tax rate that currently exists on big commercial land deals uh, that was imposed back in 2019 by the mayor and the council. It was set to expire this year, I believe in September. His idea was, hey, let's not let that expire. Instead, let's extend it for four more years and use the revenue from that to pay for these programs, to put more money into it and hopefully be able to help more residents in need. And one of the reasons people wanted that big commercial deal tax to expire was because they are hoping to see a lot of big commercial deals as they convert downtown office buildings to residentials. That, that, that was the logic there, right? Right. So a few lawmakers yesterday mentioned that there are some uh, commercial property owners, some business owners who have actually been waiting for this higher rate to expire before making transactions because it's more costly to them. So there was a fear with this proposal that you know, even not just talking about office to residential conversions, that this would potentially create more lags in building sales all across the city, which could impact the city's economic recovery long term. So there was quite a bit of pushback on Parker's proposal, even though, you know, it was a bit of gamesmanship from him to say, hey, members, I have a way to fund all these things you're, I know you're interested in. Uh, like Christina Henderson, for, for instance, introduced a bill uh, that passed to raise DC SNAP benefit that hasn't been funded yet. He tried to say, hey, if you go along with me on this, you know, we'd be able to help fund that bill. But even Henderson was a bit apprehensive at the idea of um, not letting this tax expire, saying, hey, you know, we made a commitment that we were going to let this expire and we shouldn't renege on our promise. And there were other concerns that this is just, it's not sustainable uh, to use a tax like this to fund these programs at a super high rate. I think Parker said it would be uh, $390 million that could be generated if this tax was able to stay in place for a few more years. So he said uh, he wants more talk ahead of the final vote uh, addressing some of the budget concerns in Ward 7 and 8, which are the two uh, mostly east of the river wards that have historically had the most poverty uh, in the, the district. Does that mean we're going to see this plan come back before the final vote? I'd say it's really unlikely you see this exact plan come back. He withdrew it uh, for a reason, knowing that it, it wasn't well supported uh, or regarded. So what we'll likely see, and this usually happens between the first and second budget vote, is uh, people getting creative, trying to find last minute ways to create revenue like he did, or, or at least find sources of revenue, I should say, to fun things uh, at the 11th hour. And sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. Uh, but it can be pretty tricky to win over enough members to have a proposal like that go through, especially a tax increase, which is always a touchy subject. So I think for a lot of folks with long memories, like going back to when the city went broke in the 90s, 
the specters of things like the council killing a one-time infrastructure spending like K Street in order to pay for ongoing programs like 24-hour Metrobus routes, it feels kind of scary because it's sort of apples and oranges and, and so on. What do people say about how sustainable that move and the budget in general is in the long term? Uh, this has been a big piece of the mayor's critique. Sure. Yeah. Well, when it comes to K Street, it wasn't killed solely to fund other programs. There were concerns from members about, is this actually the right time to try to tear up K Street and beautify it when we're trying to push people downtown now? Uh, the chairman brings up oftentimes this conversation of downtown needs to be fixed now. This is not something we can wait for in you know, however long this project is going to take. Um, so let's, and not to mention the other big criticism of the K Street plan is that it's, it's a little bit dated. It was conceptualized before the pandemic, before remote work looks the way it does now. Uh, so the counter argument to the current K Street proposal that Bowser has put forth is let's rethink it. Let's think about how this works in our current environment, come up with a plan that everyone can agree on is not dated and is good, and then we'll implement it next year. And they've left $8 million in the budget for the city to do just that, come up with another plan. Now, I don't think everyone would agree that the current plan is necessarily bad. Certainly the mayor would say it's, you know, her, her version is good and, and it should have started when it was supposed to start, but uh, ultimately the council was able to punt it a year. But there is a firm commitment from the chairman and Councilmember Charles Allen, who leads the transportation committee, that you know, assuming the plan they come up with is good and everyone agrees on it, this will be funded next year. So it's just a one-year delay. It's not killed entirely. I mean, is this sustainable budgeting? Like the stuff they have funded, can we reasonably expect it will be fundable in five years or ten years? I would say no. I mean, realistically, uh, programs like emergency rental assistance, for instance, there's an understanding that right now, even as DC is maybe you could say post the peak uh, concerns of the pandemic or post, uh, you know, where we saw the most levels of unemployment during the pandemic, that people are still in need of this emergency rental assistance. The council said that within two months of this year that the 43 million that was allocated uh, ran out. So the mayor funded it at 8 million next fiscal year. And they were like, hey, Eight million is not going to last a day if we couldn't get forty-three million to last for you know a few months. So um, realistically, though, no, they're going to need to figure out another way if they'd like to continue to fund, say, emergency rental assistance at forty plus million dollars. Um, you're not going to be able to continue to kill plans and things like that to make it work. At some point in the future, either this mayor or another mayor is going to have to either propose getting rid of it or raising some other form of revenue to pay for it. Right, I guess lowering it, you know, lowering the funding back to what we saw before the pandemic, which is what the mayor sought to do in her original budget proposal. She came out and said, this is not sustainable. We need to be thinking about how we fund programs long term. And a lot of stuff was pumped up because of short term federal funding that was given to states for the pandemic. And it created a fiscal cliff. Um, the city's working to try to make it less dramatic for the people who are still relying on those services. You had cuts to, the mayor proposed cuts to legal aid, to victim services that had been funded at a higher level than they were in the past. So they were able to make up some of that for now, but it's not a long-term spending plan or anything like these. These are one-year fixes, and they'll need to look at this again next year. So there's one more vote. Uh, when is it, and do you expect any changes between now and then? Um, so the next vote on the budget is May 30th. 
I would expect you'll see members like Zachary Parker or others, you know, Trayon White and Ward 8, you mentioned um, the council members from Ward 7 and 8 both uh, came forward and say, hey, we don't think this goes quite far enough on some of the things we'd like to see changed in our wards. Trayon White uh, held a press conference outside of the Wilson Building City Hall downtown before the vote and really lamented the fact that there's a number of recreation centers and schools in his ward who that, that need help. Um, so he's trying to think of ways to find money to go toward construction at those schools and, and to clean up fields and to beautify the area a bit more. Um, so I think we'll see proposals like that. I don't think we'll see any type of major overhaul that would have significant consequence on how things look now. Um, but usually the most changes come between the first and second vote. So we'll have to see. Michael Bryce Sadler, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Sure. Thank you. Really appreciate it, Michael. And that is all for today here on CityCast DC. If you enjoyed the show, do us a favor and rate the show on whatever podcast app you're using. It helps us out a lot. And tell your friends to listen and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with our weekly roundup of stories, including a recap of Bowser's trip to Congress on Tuesday. Talk to you then.